started. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. I'm your host, Felicia, and I'm a lady talking about sex. And this week, we're actually going to talk about a branch of my organization, Sex and Self. So for those of you who don't know, we have kind of an extension of the organization called Bodies A to Z. And Bodies A to Z provides young students uh, in the Montreal area with comprehensive uh, sex ed workshops and seminars. So one of the volunteers from Bodies A to Z has graciously uh, volunteered her time to come and talk to me about kind of what she does at Bodies A to Z, what Bodies A to Z means to her, and just give everyone a little bit more insight on what we do within Sex and Self and now Bodies A to Z. So Cass, I'm so excited to come here and talk to you today about our organization and kind of reflect on your own high school experience and what that was like for you and how having a program like Bodies A to Z would not only enhance your high school experience, but make it a lot healthier um, from a psychosocial perspective. So I'm really, really excited to have you. Uh, would you like hey. to introduce yourself and tell people who you are? Yes. So my name, I go by Cass. My full name is Cassandra, but go by Cass. My pronouns are she and her. Um, and like Felicia was saying, so I'm an education volunteer with Bodies A to Z. And Bodies A to Z, what it means to me is basically just allowing people to have the education, to have autonomy over their own bodies and their own sexual experiences. I think I was really thinking about it, what it truly means to me. And I think if I had had it when I was younger, that would be the definition to me when I see it, just because I feel like education is so key when it comes to sexual experiences, relationships, your own mental health. There's so many things in the education system right now that they're just not teaching. Um, so it's really great to have people that are willing to volunteer their time to go ahead and, you know, teach these things to younger students. And I really wish I had that when I was younger. <laughs> I think it would have kept me out of a lot of things that I ended up going through through high school. So yeah, I'm really grateful to be here. I'm so excited to have you. And I'm like really interested in kind of like how you discovered Bodies A to Z because this year is kind of our pilot year. So it was like a pilot project that did take off, which I was really fortunate about. Um, But like, how did you discover us? And then why did you want to be a part of it? Yeah, so I discovered you guys because I've been listening to the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast for so long. So the fact that I'm here is just like such a full circle moment. And I'm so grateful. You have no idea. Um, so I, that's how I figured out about Bodies A to Z because I was following you guys on Instagram for a really long time. And then I saw that there was um, an application posting. And at first I'm like, okay, I have no education background in terms of sex ed. So I thought like, what use could I be? But then when I really thought about it, I'm like, let me just apply and uh, go for it. And when I did, I'm so happy that I did because I realized you can easily learn about these things. And, you know, any education that I didn't have, you definitely taught it to me. And I'm sure a lot of the other ed volunteers who are amazing, by the way, um, can say the same. Like I learned so much from your lesson plans <laughs> than I've learned through my whole high school education. I've learned so much about the vagina alone that I didn't know <laughs> as a 24 year old woman. So that's just like, it's sad, but, but it's true. And I'm happy, like better late than never. But in terms of like sexual violence, I think it's just so important for younger girls to know that, you know, this is what feels good. This is what doesn't. So um, that's how I found you guys and why I wanted to be a part of it was for that reason. Like, I really wish that I had somebody when I was younger to tell me that 
it's okay to explore your body, to want to be in sexual relationships, because I feel like um, I was, I don't want to say sexualized at a young age, but I was masturbating really young and I was so ashamed. I felt like I was doing something extremely wrong because in my family, it was never talked about. And I can probably say for most people, it's probably not talked about in their families um, or anything in regards to sex. It was very much just like when I, I'll never forget when I got my period, it wasn't so much of like, oh, you're a woman. It's like, okay, you cannot get pregnant. That was the only thing that was said to me was like, you cannot get pregnant. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, like it's bad to have sex before marriage. So just don't do it. That was my, (laughs) that was my sex ed. And then when I went to school, it was like, okay, um, you know, they did not talk about it at all. I think we actually, I wanted to ask you this as well. Did you guys ever have pro-lifers come into your high school? Or is not pro-lifers? Yeah, pro-lifers come into your high school? Um, no, but I okay. did go to Catholic school. It sounds like a very yeah. Catholic thing. Yeah, which you'd think like, because like, I won't get too much into religion, but to me, it's always been like, you know, if there is a God, like they don't want to judge you for whatever you're doing. Um, but I will never forget. It was so traumatizing. We had a pro-lifer come into our school and show us like the babies, like in, like, it looked like a coffin and they would open them and show their growth like month to month. And I was in like grade 10. I had hardly like, I was just kissing boys at that point. So I'm like, I am so confused and so traumatized. So I already had that growing up where it's like, okay, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about any protection or anything like that. It's just, you're not going to do it until you're married. And I think deep down, like my parents came from a place of fear because they probably never even had that education. I don't think they did it to, you know, with like malicious intent. I think it's just like, we're so afraid and we don't, they probably don't even know what they're talking about when it comes to protection. So they're like, let me just scare you and you won't do it at all which it worked for a little bit and then when I started having you know those relations with boys I was in late in high school um I didn't have sex till I was 18 but I was the last one of my friends and it was for that reason but I thought for the longest time that like you could get pregnant from like making out no word of a lie and it sounds so silly but I just genuinely did not know um, how it worked. And same with my school in grade eight, maybe they taught like a fully alive class, but I didn't know that like it goes in and you have to have sperm to make you pregnant. And that sounds so crazy and it might sound so silly to people, but I was so traumatized. So anytime I had any like physical touch with a boy, I was petrified. So that was why I wanted definitely to be a part of it just because sex has always been like anxiety ridden, fear, shame like nothing good has ever came out of it till honestly recently maybe within like the past two years so yeah that those were my experiences and definitely why I wanted to be a part of it because I'm sure there's a lot of people who um you know kind of go through those things and they you know they just want to know more about it and I wish I had somebody telling me especially like an educator to be like oh this is okay but we didn't have anybody and I'm sure you could say the same about your catholic school (laughs) experience yeah. Yeah. I think your, your experience is, um, a lot more common than not, which is very unfortunate, but mm-hmm. how do you feel like going into this, these schools and having this virtual, but like interaction with students, like, has it felt rewarding? Have you had experiences with students who have like come to you with questions that you probably like would have asked if this was an opportunity that was provided to you? 
How has that been? That's been, it's been super rewarding, 100%, because I was super nervous. My first class, I remember it was with Olivia. And I remember telling her like, oh my gosh, I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to, you know, I was super nervous just because I wanted to be prepared for any questions that they had. But you truly never are. You just have to throw yourself in and then see where it goes. But there was a lot of students who had questions like that, that were like, oh, like, how do I have these conversations with my parents? How do I, you know, how do I talk about my mental health? How do I talk about, um, especially eating disorders was probably the most, um, you know, asked question. And in terms of sexual violence, it's alarming how many girls were like, oh, but it's my boyfriend. So it's not rape or it's not sexual violence and I think I had that mentality with my first boyfriend so it just brought me back to that place where I felt like I was almost the you know 17 year old sitting there and I'm like oh like oh like I feel your pain and I'm so happy that I was able to tell her like no if you know just because they're your boyfriend you do not owe anybody anything anything like sexually and in any capacity you don't owe them anything just because you have a title with a high school boyfriend who probably doesn't even know what he's doing anyways so you know like in all reality it's like they I feel like in my high school especially like it was always about like how do I please like a man it was never like how do I please myself and I feel like even just pleasing yourself as a woman has just started to become popular I may be crazy but I feel like even when I was in college, that was not a thing that men were priding themselves on. And I wasn't in college that long ago, maybe like four years ago. So it's something that just started to become popular. And I'm really happy that more women feel like they can have autonomy over their own body. But if you don't know that when you're younger, you grow up thinking like, oh, I owe, you know, my boyfriend, this is my boyfriend. That was literally the reason why I pretty much lost my virginity. I was like, really I wasn't pressured it's not like he pressured me to do it it was just in my mind it was my idea originally and I just thought like okay this is how I'm going to make him stay like because I didn't really have a lot of self-esteem at that age either so it was just like okay you know I think this is how I can keep him um and that's what happened and my first time was just it, it was not a good experience at all because I just went in it for the wrong reason so that's also why like I really was super adamant on teaching them even about protection and consent and things like that because I feel like it's not talked about at all and we already grew up in a world where it's like hey how do I please a man you open up Cosmo that's the first thing like how to make him come or like what will make him go crazy and it's like hey but what about me like (laughs) what will make me go crazy there's no expectation for a man to be like oh you know, you sh- now there is because it's something that they can brag to their buddies and be like, oh, like I did this to my girlfriend and I can, you know, like girls are chasing after me kind of thing. So it's very twisted, but that's, that's why I don't want any girl feeling like she has to go into a sexual experience because she owes them something because you don't at all. So. Yeah, I think though it's important to show a little bit of like self-compassion for your past self because granted like even me like I had a very very similar experience and I think that's the experience of a lot of people and granted it's not even the fault of the like the boys that were participating in these experiences with because we socialize them to believe in x y and z and all of these all of these like sexual socializations have affected the way we like establish relationships how we get into them and then how we like 
forego them, which is like really, really important. Um, and for those of you who don't know a little bit about the body's A to Z curriculum, that's going to be a little bit more developed by next year, but we focus a lot on the psychology, but also the science behind sex. So we don't just have like STI workshops. We have workshops that focus on mental health, eating disorders. Um, we have a workshop that focuses on LGBTQIA plus history, uh, indigenous spirituality and sexuality. So we have a very uh, holistic approach to sex because um, I don't think that sex is just like, that biological element of like sperm and egg kind of come exactly. together. Sexuality is on a spectrum and there's a lot of different things on the psychosocial element that affect how someone has sex, including things like you talked about religion, mm -hmm. the socialization that you grew up in. So like the people around you, how were they perceiving sex? How were your parents perceiving sex? Um, were they traumatized? Were you traumatized? Like there's a lot of things to think about, which is why I wanted the curriculum to be, um, like as diverse as possible and it's still growing, yeah. but kind of reflecting and being in the classroom, you kind of touched on a few things. And I think the one that was the most notable is kind of like what your relationship was like in high school and like kind of mm -hmm. seeing yourself in that 17 year old girl or person who was asking you about like interrelational rape. Mm -hmm. um, so like, how has this provoked your own like self-reflection? Because I think like vision is 2020, 100%. And also, you know, you're so, like, a, you're so many years out of high school, you've had so many different relationships and so many different experiences. It's really easy to be like, ah, that was a mistake. Right. But like, as a 17 year old with, you know, a little bit of either ignorance or lack of education, which isn't any of your fault, but mm -hmm. it's just how you are when you're 17. You don't know yeah. it all. You think you do, oh, but you yeah. really don't know anything. Oh, especially me. I thought I knew the world, especially I thought I knew everything when I was 17 and ended up becoming like a little bit rebellious because I was always told like, you know, it's so funny because my parents were definitely, I love my parents. They were super lenient and they actually gave me a lot of freedom as a teenager, all things considering. Um, and that was part of the problem where it's like, I could kind of finazzle my way around anything. And it ended up getting me into a lot of trouble for sure. Um, like started drinking at a really young age at like 15. And I think that was just from a lot of my own stuff growing up where, you know, it was always like, for me, I was always told by other so many people like, oh, if you just lost like X amount of weight, you would be so beautiful. And I now again, vision 2020 is everything where it's like had somebody had just told me you're actually totally fine the way you are. Like you don't need to. It wasn't until I was actually in high school. The only person who had told me that up until that point was my best friend, Anthony. And he, you know, there was a situation with a guy where he didn't want me how I wanted him. And I remember telling him, like, I'm so frustrated. I wish, like, you know, I felt like nobody wanted me at that point. And he was like, you know, but you're fine the way you are. And you just haven't found that person yet. And at first, I really didn't believe him because I was like, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. I've been told if I lose, like, this amount of weight, I, you know, I'll be pretty. And it ends up, for me, you would think it would end up really affecting me where I stopped eating. But I, it actually made me eat a lot more like it ended up going into overeating and binging and 
it, it was a really, really hard time during that period. So it's funny how comments like that will affect you, but especially when it comes to being so vulnerable, like in a bed with someone where you just end up taking almost anything you can get. And that sounds terrible, but that's how it was at the time. Any boy who showed me like even, and I could clearly tell that they were using me um, for, you know, anything sexual. Um, I just took it because I was like, Hey, this is all I'm going to get. This is good enough. Um, so like, I don't have anything personality wise to offer up to them, even though now I know how much I do have to offer someone. And I'm grateful to have a partner that recognizes those things. But had I had not, you know, gone through all of that, I wouldn't have, you know, realized what I've realized now. Um, so I'm very, very grateful for that. But I think had somebody, you know, even just taught me self-love in school, that's not taught in school, which is so crazy to me. Um, they don't even teach you how to like say nice things to yourself. It's always like, Hey, what, what do you say to a partner? Like, what do you say to your friend? And it's like, they never teach you how to be your own friend. So things like that. Um, that's what body bodies A to Z teaches. And I wish that I had learned that growing up because, it would have helped me from not being in my toxic relationship that I was in for on and off like two years. And it, yeah, it probably would have prevented all of that from happening. And he like is just somebody that would make me feel very small. Like it was always like, you know, especially sexually, it was like, Hey, like, what are you going to do for me? Even though he would do nothing to me, truly nothing to me in a span of two years. And I didn't realize that that wasn't normal. So I was having terrible sex and it was the person I lost my virginity to. Um, so that definitely tainted my view on sex and I didn't know any better. And I thought because, you know, he was the person that I lost my virginity to that I was going to marry him. And even though I was so unhappy, truly, truly unhappy, I just wanted to stay with it because I was like, hey, this is what I do because if not, I'm like, I don't want to be a slut. I don't want to be with, you know, more than one person. Cause that's, and it's terrible. Like that's totally not what that means. And thankfully I've had other partners after that. Thank God. Um, but for somebody else, it could have traumatized them into not wanting to do it ever again. Cause that's how it was for me. I didn't have sex probably for like a year or so after that, just trying to heal from everything. So that's why it's so important that children know that one you can please yourself first and you don't need somebody else to please you and what feels good and what doesn't and you don't need a partner to tell you that you know you're you're good with sexual things or that you're enough and I wish I wish I just had heard that when I was younger but I didn't but I'm happy now that like I have gone through therapy for like two years now to kind of fix all not fix but heal from all those things um, and even bodies A to Z is like my own form of therapy because again, just having the education to read through everything and be like, oh, okay, like it's so cool that, you know, all different types of contraception. I didn't even know half that were on the lesson plans, <laughs> which, you know, and I was like, wow, this is so interesting. And doing my own research um after that and just having those conversations, like even with my boyfriend, like, okay, like super open conversations that I'm just really lucky that I have the boyfriend I have because he is so willing to be like okay you do what you want on your own time like you don't owe me nothing I don't owe you nothing and we just honor each other in that way and like to try new things but um it definitely wasn't like that when I was younger so yeah <laughs> well a lot of your experiences in high school like a lot of the reactions to some of the like 
verbal abuse that you received, whether it was about your weight or whether it was about your relationship, a lot of the responses that you kind of explain are like very textbook trauma reactions. And I think that's something that I think we, we we're definitely in a place where we have a lot more education on mental health, but I think the way it's actually employed is still very surface level where it's like, Oh, deal with trauma, self-isolate. Whereas like so many women who experience any sort of sexual trauma and men too Mm -hmm. deal with hypersexualization, which is basically the like opposite response to, um, any sort of like self-isolation kind of hermiting or like armadilloing type of reaction that a lot of people automatically think that like happens when you're experiencing any sort of trauma or even just like any sort of discomfort. Yeah. So I really think it's important to like normalize those reactions because they're just as valid and like, there's nothing wrong with any of them. Um, If anything, they're like more likely than, like armadilloing at this point because we're in a little bit more of a progressive place so it is a little bit more accepted for femme people to sexualize themselves and have autonomy and agency over that uh Mm -hmm. obviously when it becomes unhealthy and you put yourself in situations or you end up in situations that are just not good for your well-being then that's where the the bigger issue lies but how did that experience affects your mental health because as a young person you're still developing a lot like cognitively and so it's really interesting to hear like how it affected your mental health and your like Mm -hmm. vision of self and also maybe the relationships around you oh a hundred percent even mental health uh tremendously and I always, I read it somewhere, I don't know where I read it, but it says, if you don't take care of your body, your body will try to take care of you. And that ended up happening to me in 2016. I always called 2016, like the year of my great depression, because it really was. Um, <laughs> so in 2016, I had a really bad panic attack at work one day. And ironically, it was a year to the day that I broke up with my ex-boyfriend, literally on that day. And he actually broke up with me. Um Thankfully, I'm so thankful he did, (laughs) but um, it just became way too toxic and we were arguing all the time and I ended up becoming addicted to that where, you know, I love to be around chaos. I realized it was within my friendships and then now within my own relationship, which is supposed to be a safe space and it just wasn't anymore. So I think in 2016, my body was just like, hey, we've had enough. You haven't taken care of us you know because I always call like you have an inner child and then you have your grown self and if you don't tend to that inner child that was hurt she's going to come back and fight you like it's just how it goes and you know and even just being through that relationship a year to the day I had the worst panic attack I've ever had I was shaking it looked like truly it looked like I was withdrawing from drugs it was really really bad and I wasn't I was just going through a really bad panic attack and I have a problem with now not so much but back then just saying how I felt like if I felt anxious if I felt sad anything I didn't want to tell anybody I just wanted to keep on this brave face I was just so scared that like they'd be like oh well what did you do like you probably put yourself in that situation because I feel like with women especially it's always like oh well what did you do to to make him so upset it's never like how did it start what happened it's never questions it's always been especially in my experience like what did you do 
So I was tired of being asked that question and I just didn't bother telling my feelings anymore. So when that panic attack happened, um, my heart was going like 180 beats a minute. It was, I thought I was having a heart attack. And I remember thinking in that moment, like, thank God for that panic attack, because I thought, you know, if something were to happen to me today, like, what it, what was I doing this whole time? I've been in shitty relationships. I've had shitty friends that have came and gone and I haven't taken care of myself. And I remember promising myself because I took a nap. That's how I dealt with the panic attack. I didn't go to the hospital. I didn't do anything. I took a nap and I remember thinking to myself, okay, because when you have an anxiety attack, the worst thing possible comes to your mind. And usually it's, I'm going to die. That's the worst thing that comes. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, if I wake up, I am going to take such good care of myself. I am not going to talk to my ex-boyfriend anymore because we were kind of sleeping together on and off, which wasn't healthy. Um, and I remember thinking that like, I promise if I can get up, like I will, it'll be a 180. And I did. And that's what happened. I booked my first, well, booked my first doctor's appointment. And my first doctor's appointment was really disheartening. Like he said to me, he's like, well, I can put you on antidepressants when I was going for anxiety, mind you, I didn't have any thoughts of like suicide or anything like that. And he's like, well, I can put you on antidepressants or Xanax, but I don't really know if it'll fix the problem. And he actually commented on my weight. And he's like, well, you are because I was overweight at the time. And I have lost weight within this past year, actually, but I was overweight at the time. And he's like, you're X amount of weight to get rid of your anxiety, go on a treadmill and watch TV at the same time to distract your mind and give yourself physical stimulation. That's what he told me to do. This is, and everybody thinks, you know, that Canada, because we have free healthcare, which I'm not complaining. We are very lucky that to a degree we have free healthcare, right? When it comes to contraception, we don't, I've paid lots of money for birth control in the past. Um, But when it comes, even just women's health in general, we're spending so much money. And the fact that like, this was the advice I got was like, Oh, well, you know, you can go on a treadmill and like your problems are going to go away. And I'm like, no, that's not what's happening here. Like I, I'm not depressed. And I obviously, if you don't take care of yourself physically, it will start to have a toll on you mentally. Maybe that was the message he was trying to relay. Delivery was atrocious, but you know, it did make me, he mentioned, uh, and I don't know how I caught it in the midst of all his, his bullshit that he said, but he was like, you can try something called uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. And I was like, what is that? So I remember Googling it and I was like, oh, um, okay. So it's basically just physical ways and physical therapy that you can kind of deal with anxiety. And I was like, I don't really know if this works for me because I can't really like start flicking an elastic band when I'm in like a meeting full of people. Like they're just going to be like, what's going on? So I remember feeling super helpless at that point. And I um, started looking more and more and mind you, I was working two jobs at the time. So to afford a therapist and that's, we have no coverage really for mental health. We do, but it's like a walk-in clinic from what I've heard. You go in, you see a different therapist every time and you tell them what's going on. And don't get me wrong, that's definitely helpful. And people should definitely reach out to those resources if they have them and if they don't have the means, but it's just not to me, it doesn't seem something that's super productive because having to explain your story one to a stranger every single time, to me, that would be super discouraging. I wouldn't want to keep doing that. So luckily I found a therapist and she's been awesome, but I've had to work my butt off to pay off this therapist. Um, But again, therapists are also accommodating and they'll try to um, do like a scale with you to see how much you can afford. But um, I got into therapy and I think that truly 
changed my life 100% with mental health. But had I had not done it, because especially in my family, like mental health wasn't really talked about. And I ended up finding out my whole dad's side of the family has like crippling anxiety. My dad's dad had it. And I had no idea he passed away when I was nine. And we obviously never talked about it when I was nine years old. But if I had known, because I remember being a very anxious little girl, I always thought somebody was going to kidnap me or do something to me because I have had my own experiences with that. Like I was chased down the street as a kid by like a grown man. And thank God I ran into my friend's house and (laughs) I didn't knock on the door. I just opened it and God rest her soul. She's passed away. But she literally did not ask any questions and was just like, okay, where is this person? Like, what did they look like? Um, You know, all these things. And it just caused me to be a very scared little girl. And that stuck with me for a long time. And like, those are my experiences with men. So I was (laughs) petrified of men for a little bit. So had I not gone to therapy or even just in a way as shitty as my doctor was, I'm happy I had told them what was happening and that I have these feelings and now physical symptoms of anxiety that I can't get rid of. And for a year, this lasted with me where like, I would go into work and I would tremble like uncontrollably and people thought something was wrong with me. And those days were really hard because people would kind of like snicker at me and be like, Oh, like what's wrong with her. Or I remember hearing a, like a older woman saying that to me, like, Oh, like what's wrong with her or whatever. And I was like, if only you knew, like <laughs> I could tell you everything that's wrong with me. Um, but had these conversations have been something I wouldn't have actually thought, cause it's not that there's anything wrong with you. You just, when you have everything piled up for so long, it's going to come out through your body or through, you know, everybody has their breaking points. And at that point I had to hit mine and had I known like, Oh, this is what happens when you take on so much, or this is what happens when you, you know, don't take care of yourself and don't have like self-love you'll you know your body catches catches up one way or the other so um that's why in terms of mental health too like it's just so important um that was I was super happy and stoked to see that in the lesson plans um because I feel like we explain it in such a way where it's not that hard to understand because I feel like in school they were trying to make it seem like it's this super you know complex thing to teach when it's like we all feel it so it's not that hard to, to relate to another, you know, little kid. And maybe, you know, you have to change the verbiage, but in, they feel the same things we feel. If anything, they feel more, but then they, they're forced to stuff it down um, and just go on because it's like, oh, what problems do you have your kid? And that's not true. They feel the same things we do for sure. 100%. I also see this a lot in... Um the way we teach mental health to boys because men have a higher rate of suicide than women do. Mm -hmm. And men come with their own set of, you know, problems and issues, especially in relation to mental health, because mental health and masculinity don't intersect at all. Like if you are an alpha male, you do not have those conversations about mental health or communicate your feelings or emotions with other people and this also happens too a lot in our uh sexual violence lesson plan because men are more likely to get assaulted before the age of 12 whereas girls are more likely after um just because of the way things are Mm -hmm. set i think it's definitely a lot easier to coerce like a young child especially a young man 
Um, I don't know if you saw the R. Kelly documentary, but that was really terrifying. They spoke about his experience as a child and how he was like basically sexualized to do these favors for, I think it was an uncle or like a distant relative. Okay. Um, And he was, he was basically just like doing it and he thought it was like play. Mm -hmm. And this happens boys, girls and everyone in between, but especially for men, because they're socialized to not say these things. And then they're also socialized to be hypersexual beings. So these things really just like pile up on one another but I think it's also important to note and we talk about these in the lesson plans that you don't even have to experience trauma to have mental health issues it's like my therapist and lots of people compare it to like breaking your arm you break your arm you have to put a cast on it like it's the same thing you tear a ligament you have to like go through surgery and heal it like Your brain is a very, very high functioning like organ and everybody seems to overlook it and think that we have entire control over like how we're, we're blueprinted essentially. So I think it's really, really interesting to like have these conversations with young people and also hear about how this has kind of helped you reflect on your own experience and maybe even given your like inner child a little bit more peace, Mm -hmm. um, but how has these how have these conversations been with students like how have you seen what has the response been essentially so at first I wasn't expecting a lot of the responses from the boys to be honest they were they'll definitely challenge you which I appreciate for sure um but it seemed like they they at first like they take it almost as if like an attack right where it's like oh well I don't do these things I've never done it And it's like, we're not saying that you haven't done it. We're just saying, because truly, when you look at rape itself, it's always like, what was she wearing? How much did she drink? And we're trying to backtrack those conversations and say, hey, wait, why did he think that it was okay to do that without her consent? Why do you think it's okay to touch a girl that's passed out? Like, just things like that. And that's what we're trying to relate to these boys. And I think a lot of them at first were just like, oh, I would never do that. I would, that, that was the response that a lot of us gave, you know, they gave to us. And we're like, we understand It's just sometimes, you know, if you're in those situations, we want you to know that this is how you treat a girl who's had too much to drink. This is um, why this is happening. And it does happen in more females than males. That was super hard, I think, to for them to swallow Um, because they were like, well, it happens to boys, too. And we're like, definitely not discrediting it. It it does happen 100 percent. But like you said, and just from talking to like my own brother, I have a twin brother. And he has uh, special needs, but even with him, like his experiences and the things that guys will say to him compared to me, two totally separate things. Um, So even him just having, I'm happy that we're the same age. So knowing I can have those conversations with him too, to be like, okay, um, you shouldn't be saying this to a girl. Like there are things he would say and, you know, he has special needs as well. So sometimes he truly doesn't know that he's, um, like maybe saying something derogatory about a woman and it's like he's like but I heard it from this person and it's like we're trying to have those conversations with these kids so that you know this locker room talk which people think is harmless like especially uh, I feel like a lot of teachers or maybe they don't think it's harmless and they just don't know how to react um, but we're trying to just backtrack on this locker talk to be like okay the whole point of this organization is to treat everybody with the same respect um, and not just single out 
women and make it seem like, you know, we're only tending to the women because it's not. So I think those were the conversations, honestly, that were a bit tricky for me to navigate because it's like, oh, wait, like, am I saying the right things? Am I, you know, portraying this correctly? Do they feel included? Those were the questions that I had to like sit with myself and ask. And it's like, we have to give them this harsh reality that unfortunately it does happen more to, um, you know, female identifying people than male. And it's unfortunate, but that's why we're having these conversations. And especially with eating disorders, I found a lot of them had a lot of questions, even a lot of males, which I was even surprised, which sounds crazy, but I was so surprised. And then when I looked into my own research as well, a lot of males have eating disorders um, and they just don't say anything and it goes into other mental health issues. So I feel like the more that we normalize that males can have mental health issues, males can be sexually abused too. We just have to recognize that it can happen more. It doesn't mean anybody's experience is invalid, whether you're male or female. It just means that we need to put a stop to this, you know, um, rape culture and all of it. Like, I'm just, I think I get so tired of seeing it sometimes where it's like, I don't even know what to do anymore. I think I can't remember her name, but I think we both posted about it. The girl who, um, I believe, I think she died from walking home. Like she was raped and it happened recently. Yeah. Sarah Everhart. Yeah. And that case in general really triggered me because it's like, hey, she did, you know, everybody was saying she did everything, quote unquote, right. And it's like, there's nothing that you can do in that situation that would have prevented that happening to her other than that man not getting to her. So and I think that was the problem. And I was getting so upset that nobody was talking about like, you know, they're like, oh, she did everything right. She called someone. She, you know, like tried to stay near someone, things like that. And it's like, we can't depend on, you know, uh, on these things. Like what is really picking up my phone and calling my boyfriend going to do? My boyfriend's not with me. So things like that, it's just, I hope that within these schools as well, that that conversation is teaching them that, you know, you can't, keep treating women this way and that's why we're having it and that's been the most difficult conversation to have that's the main concern that they all have is like hey we know this already like you know and I feel like they almost don't want to hear it because it's hard for them too I'm sure it's super like it's traumatic to you know have to hear that like a lot of people that identify with you are the ones that could be causing this it's a hard pill to swallow but it's something that definitely needs to be taught and that's been the most eye-opening experience in this and kind of alarming how much, like, I don't want to just say males, because there are females, too, who were, like, very, um, when talking about toxic relationships, and I rec- I saw myself and all of these girls that were talking about it. I literally, I would look at them like, oh, my gosh, this was me, um, where they would say things like, oh, but it's not so bad because X, like, when they would share a story or when they would talk about their own experiences, they would say like, oh, but you know, it's not so bad because he treats me nice sometimes or things like that. So having to kind of break it down for them and be like, no, like it's, it's bad. <laughs> and just because it doesn't seem like a huge deal now, it always starts off really small. And like it does in most abusive relationships where it's like, first it's a shove then it's, you know, a slap or whatever. Um, so I think, and with this generation too, I feel like a lot of that is normalized sexually too, right? Like to want to do those things in bed, nothing wrong with it if people want to do it. Um, but I think a lot of women feel like they have to, because I know I definitely felt like I did 
like just from what I saw in like porn and from what little boys see in porn. Um, so, and we talk a lot about that, I believe too, in Bodies A to Z, like the type of porn that they're watching and how it's, you know, just because you see something, it doesn't mean that your girlfriend's going to like it and you shouldn't start smacking her around without, you know, talking about it. Um, but, but my experience like that, like it, I'll never forget I had a sexual experience like that and he smacked me and I was like, uh, and I didn't know anything better. I was just like, I remember just being taken aback. I'm like, what is going on? Like, it's never happened to me before. I was just so confused. And when we talked about it after, he's like, oh, like I saw it in porn. I thought you'd like it. And it's like, no, I don't like it. <laughs> like, just talk to me, like talk, talk about it. And I think that's what we're teaching, especially when we um, talk about consent is huge. Um, and when we talk about that, I feel like we're having those conversations to let them know that you need to have an open conversation before you do anything to somebody else, male or female. 100%. I think that we're definitely in, and I think this is going to be the hardest struggle, but we're in a, like a rehabilitation period, particularly yeah. for men, because mm-hmm. I don't feel bad saying that men are the problem because they no. are, they're the largest issue. Um right now and I do think that it's hard for boys to swallow because they don't want to be the perpetrators they don't want to be lumped into this narrative but unfortunately they're gonna have to learn because they're not the ones dealing with the consequences it's women who are dealing with the consequences especially in relation to like domestic abuse and like um rape in particular granted there is the possibility for anyone and everyone to deal with to be abuse and rape and blah, 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 blah. But that's not yeah. the majority and men are not comparable to women in that regard. So especially when you're looking at any sort of violent act, but I did have this yep. internal conversation too with myself when I was creating the curriculum with the team and even talking to my brother, like how do I get men to care about issues that don't disproportionately affect them? And it's like really hard. It is because they're socialized in a way where they're not, they're not supposed to care. They don't need to care. It doesn't affect them if they care, if they don't. Um, But I do think we're in a really, really pivotal moment in time where we have the opportunity to intervene with young men and with young women at an earlier age. Cause I definitely didn't get any sex ed until I started doing research on my own. And I was like 19 So if I had that intervention at 14, I'm sure there were a lot of things that I could have avoided. And I think that was the biggest motivation for like sex and self and bodies A to Z and even the podcast. It's like, I never want anyone to ever go into Mm -hmm. a sexual experience and be like, let me just wing it. Like, I don't know what's going on, but like, let's just go blindly in and figure it out as we're doing it because Granted, like sex is great, but you should know what's going on and what's happening to you all the time. Um, And you should have the proper education to protect yourself and to also consent to specific things. So whether it's, you know, having vanilla sex or having very, very, you know, aggressive sex, you should know what that is, what that's like and what you're consenting to and even how to give and take consent back and forth which is like not something that we're ever taught, especially as women and men, neither. They're not taught how to ask for consent. They're not taught that consent is 
like literally the baseline. Like yeah. this is now what I do when I speak to my friends and I speak to men and stuff like that. Like they'll do these nice things. And yeah. I'm so like of awe, like in awe of them. But then I'm also like, this is basic respect. Like this oh, isn't yeah. anything special. Like asking me if I'm enjoying this experience is not, yeah. he's not it's doing brain special. surgery. Like that is no. just him making sure that I'm consenting. That's the bar that we have now is like, oh, well, like he asked me. I remember saying that to to one of my friends, like even my first experiences with my boyfriend now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like that he asked me. And like, realistically, that's, and it's sad that that's the bar for a lot of women now. It's like, oh, he does basic things because in all reality they are, but we're brought up in a society where that's not something that is relayed a lot. And it brings me back even to elementary school. I'll never forget we, um, they told the girls and just going back to like how, you know, boys do have it different. Um, there were boys in my class that were fondling the girls, like, and I remember like me specifically, they would like touch my boobs. Right. And it would always happen on a field and I wanted to play on this field. Like, why should I not play on this field? And again, I was always just like a little rubble child, I think where I'm like, Hey, like you're not. And the teachers told the girls do not go on the field when these boys are on the field. And I'll never forget that. They're like, don't go on the field when these boys are on the field, because you know that they're going to like touch you basically. Like, you know, like almost like you're asking for it in a way. And it's like, we don't want the kids on the field at the same time. Cause they, I think they truly didn't know what to do. They had no idea what they were doing. So their mentality, because they probably grew up with, it's always the girl's fault is don't let the girls go on the field. Um, I never heard one conversation where it was like, the boys need to get off the field. The girls aren't the ones that are touching them or touching each other. Like, and there were no repercussions like there was no they had no talking to about that and like and that's assault and I didn't realize till I was older that that's that's assault you can't just go up to somebody and touch their boobs that's not you know and it became something so normal that like they would grab girls asses or like touch them and guys would laugh and like I would even start to laugh after a while because I didn't it was so normal to me where it's like oh like just stop it like it's fine and it's like no, that's, that's not fine. And I didn't realize till I was older, like, wow, that made me very uncomfortable. So it's just funny to see, like, even in elementary school, and mind you, I was in elementary school a while ago, but um, I'm sure it's still the same thing. Like, it's still, you know, there's no, that's why it's important, even for these teachers, that's what I was trying to get at these teachers to understand that there is a way that you can teach this to them. And it's by not blaming women. Like, it's really not that hard. It's just holding whoever accountable, whether it's a woman fondling a man or vice versa, like it's holding whoever accountable to what they're doing. And I feel like for this long, we're not holding men accountable or anybody like who's causing the trauma. It's just like, hey, like, well, don't you don't want this to happen to his future? You don't you know, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's fine. And that's how I dealt with it for a long time. And that happened for a really long time. Like, you know, people just go up to people touching them. And it's like, that's, that's not okay. And it becomes okay. And that's scary. I never want if I have a daughter or a son to think that it's okay for somebody to go up to them and do that to them without talking to them or even like hugging and stuff like that. Like it's your personal space and you deserve to have that right to say yes or no. So 
that's why I think it's just as important for adults and it's harder almost for adults. It's easier for kids because you, you're the ones that shape their minds. Right. But for, even for me, for somebody to tell me when I was in my toxic relationship, my friends literally had an intervention and I was like, Oh, like, can I bring my boyfriend's name? Like, can I bring him? And they're like, no, you can't bring him. We need to talk to you alone. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I was there. And I remember them uh, telling me like, we don't like how he talks to you. We don't like how, um, you know, anything that's going on and this is not healthy and not normal. And I sat there and I was like, no, like, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, because nobody could tell me anything at that time because I didn't know better. So it's just, it's so important for teachers to have that conversation and to be open to those conversations to be like, okay, like maybe I shouldn't be coming down on this girl for wearing spaghetti straps. Like it's not her fault. The whole dress code in general, it could go off on a tangent, but it's, it's not her fault for dressing that way. We should be teaching men how to control themselves. Even with like teachers, I hear it all the time where it's like um, a male teacher will tell a little girl to like not wear that. And it's like, that's really creepy that you're telling a young girl that she can't wear a spaghetti strap and you probably have a daughter or a son. And that just, that creeps me out more than anything. So I'm happy that we're teaching teachers in a way, which that's really intimidating for somebody with, you know, tons of schooling to be like, hey, you might have been doing it wrong. Like, <laughs> this is uh, another way to go about it. But I think it's definitely effective. And it's working. So we're progressing, right? No, absolutely. And I think, like what I said earlier, we're definitely in a time of like rehabilitation and facilitation. And I think it, it is harder for older people, even myself, like I catch myself sometimes doing things where I'm like, that's not very like, progressive mm -hmm. of me or I, I catch myself I did my fair share of slut shaming in high school 100 percent, mm -hmm. and I was socialized to do that yep. but I think we're doing a lot more than we think we are um sure. by going into these classrooms and by having these conversations and by secondhandedly teaching these teachers because granted I'm in a program to be a teacher they teach us nothing on any of these topics not anything like yeah. every single thing that I've learned from this program, I've either done my own research on or I've learned from classes outside of my faculty. So mm -hmm. the institution of teaching is already its own problem. Yeah. Um, and they're not working on unlearning any of those stereotypes or like narratives that they kind of perpetuate in the yeah. school system. But what like... I guess, like, what would you tell people who are, like, more interested about the program and, like, kind of give them, like, just, like, a brief synopsis on, like, what your experience has been like as we, as we kind of close up the conversation? Yeah, I think my experience has been great to be able to have the honor to teach these kids because to know that maybe one day, like, they're having a conversation with a friend and they're like, oh, like, I remember Cass from Bodies A to Z saying this, um, you know, or if they're in a sexual situation and they're not comfortable with doing it, they'll be like, oh, I actually have a chance to say no. Like, that's amazing, um, which seems so basic, but it's so true. So um, that's mainly what I'm so proud of in terms of being a part of this organization and the amazing women that we also get to like work with or it's been super fun. Um, and I think the part that made me feel so like, open and um, like supported was that we all have the same, like, I guess, opinions when it comes to these things and everybody's so open-minded and there is no like 
slut shaming, obviously, or anything like that. So knowing that there's other women like that, it makes you feel less alone. So the fact that we're going to these schools and we're basically telling them like, hey, there's people out there that probably feel exactly the same way you do. Your classmate next to you definitely feels the exact same way you're feeling, probably has the same struggles. You just have no idea. So knowing that we can go in and do these things and for anybody who would be interested in joining the program, a hundred percent and your own willingness to want to be able to teach the kids of today, that in and of itself is amazing. So I definitely would strongly suggest anybody who wants to be a part of it. Um, And it's definitely made me even more open to have these conversations with my friends, which I, you know, so crazy. We talk about everything but sex, which is something literally everybody does. So, So, and even if you don't do it, that's okay too. So I think like just knowing like every, there's no normal, everything is okay. And like, that's what I've learned from being with Bodies A to Z is that just feeling super accepted, like straight off the bat. So that's why I would definitely recommend it to anybody who would want to join and just curious about their own, you know, their own selves and wanting to learn more um, about sexual experiences and how to even, I think about it all the time. Like when I, you know, I'm going through these lesson plans, I'm like, Hey, this is how I'm going to talk to my kid about it. Um, This is how I want to approach my kids with it. And then I literally talk with my boyfriend. I'm like, Hey, like, you know, we should have this conversation. And if we were to ever have kids, this is how I want you to talk about it, whether or not we'll have kids, who knows. Um, But the fact that like, maybe if we don't even have kids together, if he goes and has this conversation with his son one day, um, that's more than enough for me. So uh, that's, it's definitely made me just think beyond my, you know, beyond these kids, it's definitely um, been helpful within my own life. So that's why I would definitely recommend it to everybody and anybody. I'm so happy you had such a positive experience with mm-hmm. us and with this pilot project that I like didn't realize was going to take off as well as it did. Um, it did. But yeah, I, <laughs> I just awesome. wanted to, <laughs> thank you. No, I just, I wanted to thank you for being so open and honest with not only like your own personal experiences, but just like reflecting on a lot of very intimate details of your life. I really appreciated that. Um, If people want to kind of figure out who you are, learn more about you or find Bodies A to Z, do you want to plug any social media accounts um, that you just want to like put out there? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram at Cass Tedesco with two Cs. Uh, That's, and then my... um, my Twitter is Cassie Teddy with a Y at the end of each. So Cass and then Y and then Teddy. So and if anybody ever wants to talk more about this or more about bodies A to Z, message me anytime. I'd love to talk. Well, thank you so much, Cass, for coming on the podcast. I was so glad to have you. If you're interested in learning more about Bodies A to Z and how you can support, this month we're actually having our biggest successful fundraiser to support Sex and Self, Bodies A to Z, and the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. On May 7th, it is National Child and Youth Mental Health Day, and the Bodies A to Z team has come together to provide everyone with an educational seminar on mental health. So if you're interested in learning more, supporting our initiative, please check us out at www.sexandself.com for more information about fundraising goals, how you can support, and information about that seminar. I wanted to thank you all again for listening to the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. Make sure to subscribe on all your podcast platforms and stay tuned for a new episode every Monday. Thanks for listening.